0: Go on a Sunday morning in Las Vegas. It's just after eight o'clock. I'm Spencer the Wiz, and this is Out of Line. We are here live, same time every Sunday on Fox Sports Radio 98.9 FM and 1340 AM, flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights. I am coming to you from the Wiz Den, also known as by filling in for host Brian Feldman. We are here because we have been booted from the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp. studio until further notice due to COVID protocol, social distancing. Back in the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp. studio is producer Chris Magnum Chapman, aka, or I should say, Chris Chapman, aka Magnum, who, aside from producing a number of shows at Lotus Broadcasting, is the locker reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights radio network. Also joining me today is Brian Shapiro, host of the Vegas Take. I am also joined by radio veteran Chris Wynn, who is always doing spots all around the Las Vegas Valley. I'll get to them in just a moment. This show is also streaming on the LV Sports Network, and you can watch the show on Facebook Live and YouTube. The page is called Out of Line. That's O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Out of Line, Fox LV, and since you're live And since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp Studio line is 702 876 1340. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. Uh, What's on tap? Brought to you by title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing a home you already own, Residential Bank Corp is the company to turn to for all your home financing needs. Residential Bank Corp, funding America one neighborhood at a time. Now offering $2,500 free to everyone who qualifies for a home purchase loan in the state of Nevada. Call 702 964 5720. On tap. The Vegas Golden Knights have lost four of their last five games and now are in COVID protocols. Lots of uh, postponements in their games. The Raiders ended their playoff run with a bit of controversy and a few other things. And Super Wildcard Weekend, you know, it's just begun. There's plenty to talk about there. That's what. When- Tap if you're looking to buy a home or to refinance the home you currently own, choose a company you can trust. Residential Bank Corp. Funding America one neighborhood at a time. And right now, Residential Bank Corp. is offering Nevada homeowner buyers $2,500 towards closing costs for anyone and everyone who qualifies for any home financing program. Call 702 964 5720 for details. And before we get into it, of course, I'd like to introduce everybody who is joining me on the broadcast today. What's up, C Wynn? What's up, Wiz? What's going on, gentlemen? What's going on? Brian, are you there? I am What's here. What's going, going on, guys? guys? Uh, it's great to have you on the show. So, I figure the best place to start would be, you know, with Raider Nation, obviously a... Uh, a bit of controversy uh so actually you know what we'll start there we'll start with the controversy i personally don't feel like it had a too big of a bearing on the game and i'm a raiders fan but we'll show the play everybody can i'll explain the situation and then we can talk about our opinions you know right after that five of the pattern burrow tries to keep it alive scrambles throws it back in the end zone but was he out of bounds
1: first or is it a touchdown think he was out of bounds they're discussing it caught in the
2: back by boyd
0: all right so the discourse around this play and what the refs are saying is that you know the whistle happened after he caught the ball so automatically we know that's a lie that obviously that didn't happen the whistle came well before he caught the ball so they lied but At the same time, it was the right call. So do you guys feel like this was a BS call, that it ruined the game? I mean, what's your temperature check on this play specifically?
3: First of all, my opinion is, first of all, it wasn't the right call. Uh, The NFL, first of all, these officials are not going to be officiating any more games the rest of the playoffs. That should tell you something right there. The rule, according to the NFL, is that if you have an inadvertent whistle before the play ends, clearly this play didn't end. The whistle was blown while the ball was still in the air. The ball was not caught yet. According to the NFL rules, you have to play the down again. So the refs screwed it up big time. And I also, Wiz, I have to disagree with you. In a big game like this, in a playoff game, in a one possession game down the stretch, that's a huge play. That's the difference between a field goal and a touchdown. We're talking about four points, assuming that they don't score a touchdown. Maybe they still do. But that just can never happen, let alone a regular season game, not a playoff game. Uh, so the, the news that just came out this morning is that these officials are not going to be working the rest of the playoffs. The NFL is not saying anything else, but we all know they screwed it up. And I, I think that was, is it the only reason why the Raiders lost? No, but you can say in part it is that was a huge play of the game. And that just can't happen in a playoff game, especially.
1: Chris? Yeah, the situation, look, it was screwed up twice, right? It was screwed up because uh, apparently there was an error by the official to blow the whistle before the play was over because the player wasn't out of bounds, right? So there should never have never been a whistle in the first place. And then, of course, you know, kind of the uh, what transpired afterwards where you have officials, uh, you know, not uh, adhering to the rules of the NFL. So there were two mistakes there. Uh, I would contend that it was... Uh, it was probably the right call for it to stay a touchdown because the the official should have never blown the whistle, right, before the play was over. Uh, Burrow obviously hadn't gone out of bounds. So it was a mistake, apparently, for the official to even blow the whistle at all. So I think that that's what's kind of weird about this whole situation is it kind of uh, – because it was a touchdown, right? Uh, It wasn't – the whistle should have never been blown in the first place. And so the result of play was the of play. And uh, obviously that that apparently was uh, what they ruled because they ended up, you know, they ended up, the touchdown ended up standing. So, uh, but yeah, no question. I think there's, uh, you can find faults in, in both directions on this situation. And, uh, and it's probably the reason why the officials are no longer working any games the rest of the playoffs.
2: Spencer, you are in an impossible position here because you, you obviously are a Raider fan so you could take the approach of that you're taking like, yeah, they, they got it right and be very um, democratic about it. But you could also take the approach of sour grapes like, oh, it's a bad call and it costs us the game. So it's, it's an impossible position for you to be in. I will say this about the NFL. It's a very Trumpian stance that they're taking, don't believe what you saw, believe what we're telling you is what the NFL is doing here. Look, at the end of the day, they got the call wrong, and what really sucks, this is now the second time a Vegas franchise has lost a playoff game where the officials screwed up and the league has then taken the step to suspend said officials for the remainder of the playoffs. I mean, it's a it's a terrible coincidence, but... At the end of the day, the NFL is too big of a league. There's too much money involved. Coaches are fired because of bad calls. Players miss out on bonuses, making extra money in their contracts. Teams lose games because these guys cannot ever go a playoff season without making a massive mistake. It happens every day single year it doesn't matter if it's the regular season if it's the postseason the the reality is there's a technology where these things should never ever ever be wrong and the nfl screws up year in year out and if you're a fan of the team that gets screwed you just have to take it because nothing you can do and then to pour salt in the wound the nfl will lie to your face just like the previous administration, lie to your face and tell you what you saw really didn't happen.
1: And let me add something real quick, Mags and Chap, as well as Wiz. This is far past the point of where the NFL has had should have full-time officials. It's absolutely preposterous and ridiculous that you have full-time officials in the NHL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, every other major sporting entity across the globe, has full-time officials, yet the NFL still falling behind the times and still having people that are part-time, essentially, people working as officials in this league in what Mags just talked about, a billion-dollar industry. It's a joke. It shouldn't be happening, and the officials should be full-time at this point. And is it going to alleviate all of these types of situations? Absolutely not. But at the same time, it's going to, you know, it'll, it'll absolutely... Uh, be be one of those things I think that would would uh, be a correction to these types of things happening
0: the last factor in this was that this crew hadn't been together all season it was a makeshift right Where they try to combine different like this wasn't the original crew that usually you know rest together There was a lot of communication problems throughout the game so you think at that point just keep the same crews because at least that you know they're ready to officiate a game so it, it's a little strange and and, and you know, to, to Brian's point, yes, I agree that it was objectively the wrong call. But what I mean to say is, like, ultimately, the outcome was the same, right? It was a touchdown. So yeah. it kind of covered up for the really bad mistake when it came to the whistle. So it, it it's a 50-50 thing. So let's go, let's avoid that. And let's talk about some things that did happen that had nothing to do with the officiating that really mm-hmm. cost them the game. And I'm going to start with one play that I'm sure everybody, it just to me, it just drove me crazy. Well, if, if you are watching, you saw the play. Sorry there's no sound, but that was the Peyton Barber kickoff where he grabs the ball and just runs out of bounds at the fo- at the one-yard line. I mean, essentially gifting them points. You're not going to... Unlikely, they're going to go for a 99-yard drive, right? They get stopped. They barely get any yards. They give it to them in their own territory, and they score. That was probably the second biggest mistake of the game. I mean, when you guys are watching that, were you just out of your mind like me? Well, I can start. I guess uh, this is NFL playoff
1: football, and you cannot have mistakes like this, right? You just, you just can't, especially when you're on the road in a matchup between teams that are, in, in my opinion, uh, evenly matched. That uh, you know that, it, and, and and when you have a situation like that, you just it it, uh, it just puts you behind the eight ball. It really does. And uh, you know, uh, from that situation to the, you know, obviously to uh, to Derek Carr's fumble and uh, to to some other mistakes that were made during the game, absolutely have a major impact on the outcome of this football game.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll add to that. Obviously, I, I don't think you can define one play, and I don't think anyone's doing that. I don't think Chris is doing that. Is why they lost the game. But certainly, that's the type of play that you would expect maybe a rookie to make or maybe a preseason game. You can't make a mistake like that, as Chris said, in a game of this magnitude uh, at the one-yard line. I mean, I, I, I couldn't really understand that. I mean, I guess brain fart is is the best way to 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 describe it. But uh, that was one of many plays, and we'll probably get to a lot of other plays. But that was one play where you just kind of shake your head and say, "How do you make that mistake, especially in a game of this magnitude?"
2: All right, and Spencer, will I'll, and Brian and Chris, I'll further amplify this mistake. Who is the guy who was the head coach of the Raiders in this, this in this particular situation? It's Rich Basaccia who was your special teams coach until John Gruden was shown the door earlier this season. It's further amplified by the fact that this is a guy who really, his job, almost his entire career in the NFL, was coaching special teams. For the team to have a special teams mistake of this magnitude, I mean, look, I'm not saying Rich Passaccia did a bad job. I think Rich Passaccia did an admirable job especially considering what he was dealt. Look, I don't know if any head coach, let alone an interim head coach, could have gotten this team to come together and play together the way they did these final few weeks of the season, especially the last four, where they had to win every game to keep their playoff hopes alive. Look, Rich Passaccia, he deserves a job within the organization. I just think it kind of shows that maybe the coaching of the little things isn't quite there as it would be if, Maybe and look, I, I was not a big John Gruden fan. So, you know, from a wins loss perspective, I was actually glad that they got rid of him. But I I think when you have a full-time head coach and that and he's got that experience, I don't think a mistake like that happens in a game like this.
0: It feels that way. I've never seen that in my lifetime happen in the playoffs. So that, that, that was a big controversy. So the last, you know, biggest part of this game, you know, we'll talk about Derek Carr. I have the highlight for the fumble, but we all know what happened. But I would like to show the last-second play. We'll talk about, you know, what we thought about that, and then we'll talk about Derek Carr's future, maybe, you know, with the Raiders afterwards. The season comes down to this in his car end zone, intercepted. Jermaine Pratt has it. So that was the way the game ended. Uh, I'll quickly say that I mean that 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 cannot be the last ball of the game if you're Derek Carr. You can't throw the ball short of the end zone because that's it. That's your whole season. You, there's no pressure in your face. There's no one coming at you. There's no bull rush. Now, would there have been a better look than that? I don't know. But if you don't leave it up, you can't. You got to at least leave it up to chance. Someone may have. Darren Waller looked like he could have at least maybe had a chance to run into the end zone. You can't throw it a yard short. Uh, now, giving him credit, he did have a great throw to Darren Waller to get them in that position. But the last throw is the one that matters the most. What did you guys feel about the last second play with Derek Carr there?
2: well, I could start here and first of all he he threw into double coverage, which you know obviously that's something else short of the end zone into double coverage look Derek Carr's never going to be a guy who who will be uh mistaken for a fleet of foot player he's certainly not the guy who extends a ton of plays with his legs but I mean he just took that snap stepped back in the pocket and he just he didn't I, I mean he had time. It really didn't seem like he surveyed the field. It, it And look, and I, I I like Derek Carr. I will say on the record that I think they absolutely need to bring Derek Carr back because I think Derek Carr is a good quarterback. He's not elite, but he's good. And I think you don't get rid of a good quarterback unless you have the ability to bring in Aaron Rodgers or, or Russell Wilson, which, you know, maybe maybe that's the case. But outside of those two guys, I think you bring Derek Carr back, but I wasn't a fan of the call. I wasn't a fan of the, of, of the throw. And you know, at, at the end of the day, that's going to be the, the play that Derek Carr is going to have to live with the rest of this off season, knowing that his final pass with the opportunity to tie the game was thrown into, in, into the hands of a, a Cincinnati Bengal player.
1: Yeah. It was make no mistake. It wasn't a good throw whatsoever. And uh, it was a bad situation. You got, you had to give yourself a better chance to get into the end zone and get a touch of the game time touchdown there. Uh, I would also contend that uh, a play, what two plays earlier, the play that uh, Derek threw, it bounced off the Cincinnati Bengals helmet. That would have, uh, if if that that would not hit Cincinnati's uh, helmet. It would have actually Darren Waller would have made the play. It probably could have turned that upfield and taken it into the end zone. So that was a big time play there as well too. But in my opinion, a big part of this game was the fact that this is a Raiders defensive line that did not have the game they had against the Chargers in the season finale, right? I mean, that was a defensive line that was disruptive all over the place from Crosby to Ngakwe. To, I mean, it was, the defensive line was unbelievable in that game against the Chargers, and it just wasn't even close to the same uh, as far as uh, that unit in this game against the Cincinnati Bengals' Joe Burrow, and uh, the offense was not disrupted as much as as Herbert was and that Chargers defense. So to me, I thought that was the biggest part of this game. And the biggest reason why the Raiders were not able to come out on top, but to uh, Mag's point regarding Derek Carr and uh, to your point as well, too, is, uh this kind of has an element of a gr- the grass is always greener on the other side. You know, when you're taking a look at quarterbacks in the NFL, Derek Carr, in my opinion, uh, top 10 to 15 quarterback in this league, not exactly easy to find. Now that being said, you know, the Raiders and uh, you, look, you're Raider faithful right there, right there, Wiz. And uh, you know that uh, with the likes of uh, Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers and, uh, and Deshaun Watson and some of these other guys that are out there, the Raiders may be taking a look at uh, making a change there at the signal caller position.
3: Yeah, I just wanted to add something about Derek Carr, if I can. Uh, I, 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 Mags, I disagree with you a little bit. If Raider fans are okay with once in a while getting into the playoffs, then Derek Carr is your guy. But Derek Carr is not the. I like Derek Carr. He's a good guy. Teammates like him. Coaches like him. He's not a guy that's going to give you an opportunity to get to a Super Bowl. So I think if you know you have to look at other quarterbacks and see what else is out there. I just don't think. I again, I like Derek Carr. He's a good quarterback. But if you're okay with making the playoffs once every few years, once every several years, he's your guy. I just think they need to find somebody else. I don't think he's the guy that's going to give you an opportunity to win a championship.
0: It, it certainly didn't feel that way, you know, when you see something like that, where a guy kind of just shakes his in his boots in the biggest moment of his career. Uh, now, he's never mm-hmm. been there before, so maybe that's where you give him a little bit of credit. I've never been the biggest fan of him either. I've I've gone back and forth this season. He always seems to do that. He's just kind of a up-and-down kind of guy, it seems. But nonetheless, I'll say, finishing up kind of the, well, there's plenty of more Raiders talk. We'll get to that, and we'll give our final thoughts on the Raiders. Uh, I wanted to talk about, you know, Rich and a decent game. I mean, clearly there are some mistakes that the coaching staff just couldn't really, you know, fumble. when you fumble and throw an interception, there's nothing they can do on the sidelines about that. You know, they made it to the playoffs, which is bigger. You know, hadn't happened in a long time. 2016, you know, they did, but not really didn't have a chance. It was the first time they had a chance to win a playoff game since 2003 at the end of the day. And this guy brought them there. Now, was it the magic of, like, in just the motivation of being there? Or was it Rich really the guy who is going to be there for the team? Should they bring him back? I'm on the fence now because it just, I it felt disappointing the way the game ended. Guys, I don't think there's any
1: question that Rich Bisaccio is not going to be the head coach of this team moving forward. Uh, kind of, uh, you know, kind of wild, eh, guys? How uh, it comes full circle with the Raiders. The Los Angeles Raiders were the last team that uh, that that started the streak for the Cincinnati Bengals of not winning in the playoffs back in 1992, and of course now the Cincinnati Bengals are the team that uh, you know get off the schneid uh, you know, with a 30-plus year drought uh, with playoff wins. So uh, my I'll just wrap up my opinion of what the Raiders were able to do this season. Obviously, we all understand what the uh, circumstances were as far as off the field with this team and what they were dealing with throughout the year. Uh, I, I think Rich Versace did uh, a, a pretty good job, actually, considering uh, what they were dealing with there. I would say that uh, it was impressive that they got to the playoffs, right, Wiz? It was impressive. That's that's my opinion. But uh, at the same time, there's also a feeling that it is an organization that is looking to turn the page in certain aspects. And I think when we're talking about uh, some player personnel, when we're talking about the coaching staff, I think that's absolutely going to be implemented. And uh, we're going to be looking at some changes across the board.
2: Well, well, Uh, yeah, Chris, um, you know, and and Spencer, I I I, like I said earlier, I don't know if if you bring Basachi back. I don't I, I would not. I mean if I'm if I'm Mark Davis, look, I like I said the guy the guy has done a really good job, a very admirable job. But it's like we just talked about with Derek Carr. Um look, I I personally I I would bring him back and I'll just say this real quick about him as a guy who roots for a team that has had a revolving door of quarterbacks and 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 Chris, I know you know that feeling as well as a Detroit Lion fan. Derek Carr has kind of brought stability to this franchise at that position, but as far as the head coaching situation, look, I I am still shocked that the Miami Dolphins fired Brian Flores. I think he is one of the few guys from that Belichick tree who actually has the ability to go out and win football games as a head coach. I think if the opportunity is there to hire Brian Flores, I think that's absolutely a guy you take a shot on. And the other name, I mean, I know it's no secret that Jim Harbaugh is a guy who, who's also been on the list as well, but... I do think there's guys out there who are good head coaches. I, I obviously I would not put my all my eggs in one basket, but I am a big, big Brian Flores fan. I think Miami screwed him because they drafted a bum quarterback in Tua, who I don't I don't think is ever going to be a good quarterback in the NFL. And maybe one day I'll eat those words, but I I, I think the the Dolphins look. They, who did they get rid of to bring in Tua? Right? They got rid of Ryan Tannehill, who's now the quarterback of the number one seed in the AFC. So, Flores dealt a bad hand there. Look, I, I, I think Harbaugh would be a great hire. And look, if, if, if you have the ability to go out, and I, I, I'm i not saying it's a realistic possibility, but you know we've seen some grumblings and maybe some rumors about the Raiders maybe giving up some draft picks with other teams around the league to maybe hire their head coach. Um, you know, maybe, maybe that's a possibility as well. But if I'm, if I'm the Raiders right now, Brian Flores is my number one target.
3: Well, it might surprise you what my opinion is on this one. My opinion is you bring the entire coaching staff back. The reason why I say that is because they did something they haven't done in, what, five years? And that's make the playoffs. When you look at all the things that have happened off the field with this team, distractions, you name it, everything, it's been horrible they get to the playoffs, the way this team played down the stretch, I think they earned the right to come back for one more year. Now, listen, I understand it. It's not a very sexy decision. That's not going to happen. I'm living in reality. They're going to get a new head coach. That's obvious. All I'm simply saying is I think you can easily make the argument that the entire staff deserves the right to come back for one more year. They made the playoffs. I think you could make that argument even if they didn't make the playoffs. The fact that they just get into postseason, uh, to me, is enough to come back for one more year. And then everybody makes the argument about Derek Carr having, what, five different coaches in eight years. Well, why not bring the same guys back? Bring Ole back. He seems to have a good relationship with him. You know, bring these guys back. That's just my personal opinion. I don't think it's going to happen, but uh, that's what I would do.
1: Yeah, I Chap, one... there's a big difference, right, between what – we think they should do, yeah. and what they will do, right? That's a big, that's a big thing there. So uh, I love the idea that Mags has uh, with when it comes to Brian Flores. Only problem there, there guys, I think the Giants are going to be all kinds of all over Brian Flores, right? He's from that Everybody area. Uh, I think that that's a, that's a fit that would be just prime for that New York Giants team. So I think, I mean, look, look, uh, I mean. If you're Brian Flores, what's more attractive as far as a job is it the Las Vegas Raiders or it's the, you know the New York Giants right now?
2: Well, I've- I I I will say that I think it's probably the Raiders for the fact that they are a playoff team. The Giants are are a abysmal uh, They're <laughs> abysmal <laughs> right now. So, I think, you know, for a guy who who I think is going to have his pick of jobs, I would rather go to a team that's coming off a playoff appearance than a team that won what three or four games with no quarterback, no offense, no defense. You're basically starting from scratch if you go to if you take that Giants job. But the Raiders, you're coming into a really good situation and if you're a good coach, you're gonna elevate this franchise from a playoff team to a contender.
0: Right. I had one pushback for what Brian said, and I agree, you know, in, in theory about bringing the, the whole coaching staff back because, again, uh, you brought up the greatest point in that everyone, the, the DC fans, the guys who were with them, you know, till the bitter end talk about, I'm different coaches, so why add another one? That just adds, you know, to the whole idea of that problem. But I will say, the Atlanta Hawks brought everybody back from their Eastern Conference Finals run with Nate McMillan. And that energy, whatever it was that they had last season, is completely gone. And now it feels like a wasted season, and they're trying to pick up the pieces. I could also see that happening with the Raiders, where they just come back really flat. But that was our Raiders talk. Um, although, let's finish up with the Bengals. Obviously, are going through the next you know round of the playoffs. Joe Burrow obviously played a great game. He threw some great balls, like just some superstar throws. Do you feel like they're a real threat to make the Super Bowl? Or I mean they just beat the they just beat the Raiders as far as I'm concerned. And the Raiders are a decent team, but not a great team. So do you feel like they're a real threat moving forward? I go first.
1: I say no. Uh yeah, obviously we do like the pieces that they have on offense. You like Joe Mixon, you like Jamar Chase, who uh, you know. Had a decent game yesterday, but he didn't have the game he had two weeks ago where he went nuts in that, um, you know, going for, like, what, 270 and three touchdowns. But uh, it is, it's it's an offensive team that's intriguing, to say the least. But this isn't their year. Uh, they're going to be right there. There's just, I mean, you look at a, a team like the Buffalo Bills or the Kansas City Chiefs, those are just roadblocks that I don't think the Cincinnati Bengals can get over. And, you know, while it uh, much like with the Raiders this week, where they got to a point point, it was almost like inevitable that you thought it could end quickly. I think that's the same situation when you take a look at the Cincinnati Bengals next week.
3: Yeah, I, uh, I agree with Chris. I think yesterday was the Super Bowl for, for the Bengals. Uh, they got the monkey off the back. They win the playoff game. Uh, they're done. Uh, you know, they, they played a good game. No question about it. Their quarterback is extremely talented. Young, he's only going to get better, which is scary. But I agree with Chris. This isn't their year. That was their Super Bowl. You saw the stadium. You saw after the game uh, how excited the fans were, how excited the team was just to get a win in the playoffs. But uh, I think the road is over for them.
2: Yeah, it's funny. We, we we mentioned it earlier in the show that the the Bengals were the were the or the Raiders were the last team or the team that started the losing streak for the Bengals in the playoffs. It was also the the Bo Jackson game, Bo Jackson's last game in the NFL when he was injured in that in that game against the Bengals, but. I'm not I'm not going to throw dirt on, on the grave of the Bengals right now and say that their season is over because I'm a big Joe Joe Burrow fan. I only went to two games this year at Allegiant Stadium. I went to go see the Bengals when they came here on November 21st, and I went to go see the Chargers last week for two specific reasons. I wanted to see the quarterbacks that these two teams have, and I'm, I may be getting ahead of myself a little bit here, but I feel like these are going to be the two best quarterbacks in the NFL in the next four or five years. Joe Burrow is about to go into a, a, a an echelon of from a guy who was a number one pick just last year, right? And remember, he was injured last year. So he 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 hasn't played, or this was the first season he played a full season. He's about to enter into the 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 plethora and the echelon of elite quarterbacks. He's good enough to help this team and make this team a contender. I think he's got some good weapons around him. Chris mentioned Joe Mixon. But I also think the Bengals' defense is pretty underrated. They've got some guys who go out and make plays. And look, I don't know what's going to happen next week. I don't know who they're going to play. But I do think that this is a team, there's no reason why they can't compete with the best teams in the AFC because I do think that Joe Burrow is a good enough to lead this team to a victory against any team in the NFL. Whether it happens this year or not, I don't know. But I'm, I'm pretty confident in saying that no matter who they play, they will be in that game. They will be there until the end. They may not win it, but they're not going down without a fight.
0: Uh, I'll agree with that. And uh, well, it would be interesting to see, obviously, are very exciting. They're probably the most exciting team because they're just like this mystery factor. They have all these big names and, you know, they can go down the mm-hmm. field at any point, which is which is cool. So we'll see. But uh, there was one other game last night, which is going to help lead us into our next segment.
2: Fact this. this. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact this.
0: Yeah, it is a fact. Bill Belichick was handed his biggest loss in playoff history. The former being a forty to ten loss back in nineteen ninety four, when his Cleveland Browns lost by a whole bunch of points. This uh, wasn't too exciting or um, you know surprising to me. Actually, I mean the Bills were coming in and they were angry. You know, the whole conversation from the first game that the Bills can't play in weather games and Josh Allen, you know, is he did he deserve a big contract? This was therapy for Josh Allen as far as I'm concerned. Were there any surprises for you guys last night? Or maybe you didn't think it was going to be a 47-point, you know, blowout type of thing. But, I mean, I thought the Bills were going to take care of business, and they surely did. Well, guys, after seeing the first two
1: matchups between these two teams in the regular season, absolutely, Wiz, I was surprised at, at at how this thing started out, right, and the fact that you had a Buffalo Bills team that was out there just boat racing a, a very respected and solid New England defense, right? I mean, I, Judon and those guys that have been have been playing pretty well all season long. In uh, a huge reason why they would gotten to the playoffs, uh, this is a clear a clear transition of the powers in the AFC East, and it's it, it's uh, it's uh, absolutely crystal clear. That the Buffalo Bills now are the uh, team to beat in this division, and uh, and make no mistake about it, this is a Buffalo Bills team that could actually get this franchise off the snide as early as this year, and could possibly uh, take home uh, uh, the big trophy. So uh, I was I was to be quite honest, with you, I was surprised, but uh, how lopsided this game was. And look, I have all the respect in the world of the likes of of Josh Allen and uh, some of the pieces they have on offense there in Buffalo, and obviously we're talking about one of the better defenses in the NFL with this Bills team, but uh, that was just a flat-out drubbing and and outright embarrassment, right, for Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots.
3: Yeah, I was uh, surprised also. I mean, obviously the bookmakers, I would imagine, were too, where they had the line, and I think uh, Buffalo was only favored by four to five points. So everybody was expecting this to be a, a fairly close game, but I think it goes to show you as great of a coach as Bill Belichick is, and he probably will go down as the best NFL coach of all time. You need you, it. Helps having Tom Brady. <laughs> and ever since Tom Brady's left New England, uh, things have changed a little bit. But the fact that they didn't compete really surprised me. I mean, Buffalo's really, really good. But the fact that New England was just uh, outmuscled in, in every facet of the game, both sides of the football, I was really surprised that they didn't compete at all in this game. And uh, Bill Belichick, after the game, he looked like he was a little shell-shocked. I mean, he's a man of very few words in press conferences, but uh, he was e- even less words yesterday. He seemed shocked as well. Uh, really poor effort and an embarrassing effort by the New England Patriots.
2: Well, it's for me, I, I, I loved watching every minute of it because I am a certified New England Patriot hater. So anytime Bill Belichick gets his ass kicked the way he did yesterday, sign me up for that. I was there for that. Uh, You know, it's funny, I I heard someone yesterday, and I I can't remember who it was, who made the comment that, well, it was cold in Buffalo, and the Bills were not built to be a cold weather team. Josh Allen, he's a guy from California, Stephon Diggs, he played in a dome, they don't really have a great run game. Well, I think whoever said that is probably eating a big plate of crow right now, because Buffalo, it didn't matter if... if, if it was five degrees of kickoff or if it was 55 degrees of kickoff Buffalo was going to win that game they won it emphatically I mean what was it they did they did they end up scoring on seven straight scoring a touchdown on seven straight drives in that game yesterday I don't I, I think that's an NFL record uh I don't I don't recall did they ever actually have to punt in that game like I think that was something that they were talking about they didn't punt in the in the last game against the bill or against the Patriots they didn't have to punt yesterday. Look, just like I talked about the Bengals being a contender, Buffalo is obviously a contender as well. I think it's going to be real interesting in the AFC because are, are, are the Chiefs going to give up their crown as the AFC champs that easily? I don't know. Buffalo is a team that certainly scares the hell out of me watching them yesterday. If they play like they did yesterday, they're winning the Super Bowl. The problem is, I don't think they're going to play like they did yesterday against every single team because teams will, will 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 make make different matchups. What shocked me the most about yesterday was how easily Buffalo was able to move the ball on offense. Right, all we heard about all season was how good the Patriots defense was. Oh, nobody's talking about the Patriots defense. They're good. You know, remember everyone opted out last year. They're all back this year. So much for that. Can we can we end that myth? because the Patriots' defense was good because they played a lot of bad teams. The Buffalo Bills curb-stomped them yesterday. It was great to see. It was fantastic to watch Belichick walking off the field with his head down, knowing that he just got humbled. I'm not going to say all hail to the Buffalo Bills, but as of last night, all hail to the Buffalo Bills.
0: No, uh, I, I get it. And I, I want to talk about the Bills uh, more in just a second. But let's finish talk about the Patriots. And more specifically, let's talk about Mac Jones. The kid got a lot of hype during the season. I mean, I was there winning games. Like, he was like the poster child for that. Is the temperature on him, you know, decreasing a little bit? I mean, two interceptions. He didn't play a great game at all. Now, he's a rookie, so it's not saying his career's over. But do we have to slow down our conversation about Mac Jones kind of being like the best rookie from this class?
1: Well, I'm hesitant to even, you know, talk about him in those glowing terms as of yet. Is he a guy that has potential? Absolutely. Is he somebody that uh, the Patriots are going to roll with? Oh, yeah. The, The Patriots are all in on Mac Jones being the next guy. There's been the moniker that's been tossed out there. You guys all working in sports radio. You've heard it a million times across the board. Game manager, right? When it comes to somebody like a Mac Jones. And, you know, there's some elements to his game that lead to that and that, and that make it understandable that that, that that phrase is used about him. I think that, you know, and, and Wiz, you talked about it. Look, it, it, you lose a playoff game. You're a rookie quarterback, okay? It's not something that's shocking everybody, all right, that a rookie quarterback goes down in a playoff game. I don't think anybody's going to be pressing any panic buttons across the New England region regarding Mac Jones, Uh, You guys all know Patriot fans. They're still going to be in his corner. They're going to be, you know, they may be pumping him up even more as we roll into the 2022-23 season with uh, the likes of Mac Jones as the signal caller.
2: Yeah, I I do think you have to kind of cool the jets a little bit. Look, the Patriots won two games against playoff teams this year. Mac Jones put up a lot of big numbers against garbage like my Jets, garbage like uh, um, the, the the Panthers and the Browns. I mean, his fantastic comeback against the Texans. Look, they were losing that game. What was it like twenty two to six or something? They came back and won that game with a goofy fashion. I mean, let's cool the Jets a little bit. The the problem is everyone just automatically wants to anoint the predecessor, not the predecessor, the successor to Tom Brady as the next Tom Brady just because he's working with Belichick. The reality is there's only one Tom Brady. There's a reason why Tom Brady will go down as the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL. Not every franchise is lucky like the Green Bay Packers where they go from Brett Favre and he hands it off to a guy who's probably even better than Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Look at the way the Broncos have struggled at the quarterback position since a guy named Elway hung it up. It's like I alluded to earlier. Finding a good quarterback in this league is hard to do. I think Mac Jones showed a lot of promise, and I mean, the reality is he did a lot of dinking and dunking. It's not like he went out there and he was throwing balls all over the field like you know Josh Allen does, or or or, or like you know a lot of the other elite quarterbacks in the league do. I think he'll be fine. I think the Patriots will be fine. But as far as anointing this guy as as the next great Patriot quarterback. I think it's a little premature. I mean, he may be good enough to get them the playoffs. I don't know if he's good enough to win them a Super Bowl. I mean, based on what I've seen in one season.
3: I think premature is one way of putting it. I, I think it's ridiculous for anybody to compare this guy and say that he could be the next Tom Brady is absurd. I will also say this, though. Every young quarterback needs a game like this. Every every young athlete that has the ability to be a superstar needs to be embarrassed a little bit, needs a game like this. And I think it's important. So I think it will actually help him moving forward. But to compare this guy to Tom Brady is unfair to him. It's unfair to the Patriots organization. We're not going to see another Tom Brady in our lifetime, in my opinion. And, you know, we're talking about arguably the best quarterback of all time, the best football player of all time. So I think he's going to be good. but. Uh, he- the Patriots and Patriots fans have been very spoiled. I think, you know, I think, I think that's, uh, you know, it's easier said than done to get, get, get a guy like Tom Brady in there, but I think they're going to be okay. You still got arguably the best coach in the history of the game. The pieces are there, they're going to get better, and I think he'll learn from this
0: experience. I, I couldn't agree more. So uh, we'll finish up the conversation um, about the Bills, and I think this is the best way to do it. Where do you place Josh Allen in your QB rankings for the remaining quarterbacks in the playoffs? So it's just as a reminder, the quarterbacks remaining, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Dak Prescott, Jimmy G, Big Ben, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray, and Matthew Stafford. Where does Josh Allen land on that list for you guys? In my opinion, uh, he's number two, right behind uh,
1: Pat Mahomes, in my opinion. So Woo. you got Pat Mahomes, number one, Josh Allen, number two. And then you can kind of uh, shuffle guys through, I think, on the back end. And uh, obviously it's tough to put in because you've got a, like, the guy who's the all-time uh, greatest that's still in the playoffs, so uh, obviously at 44 years old. So i put him at number two, Wiz. I I, I have to respectfully
3: disagree there. Uh, I'm not going to put him ahead of Aaron Rodgers. There's no way I'm going to do that, or Pat Mahomes. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to do that yet. Uh, obviously, he had a fantastic game yesterday. i put him right in the middle of the pack. Of those names that you list, obviously you're going to put him ahead of guys like Roethlisberger, I'm going to put, ahead of, uh, uh, put, put him ahead of Prescott, but uh, you know I'm not putting him ahead of Rodgers and Mahomes at least, least not yet.
2: Yeah, and I'm I'm not going to put him ahead of Kyler Murray because I think Kyler Murray is probably the guy who we're not talking about in this discussion as an elite quarterback. What he's done with that Cardinals team is nothing short of, of, of amazing because that's not a when you look at that franchise and look at who he's playing with, they don't have a whole lot. On either side of the ball, I mean, they have a a, a pretty decent defense, but I don't think outside of Chandler, Jones, they have like an elite player on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but I don't know. It, it, it's tough for me to put him ahead of 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 Rodgers. I, I I can't put him ahead of Brady. I mean, look, I know Brady statistically probably doesn't quite have the flash and the sizzle right now that Josh Allen has. I don't know if he ever did. But the reality is, I don't know if there's a better game manager at the quarterback position than Tom Brady. Of all the quarterbacks we've got on that list, I don't know if there's a guy I want with the ball in my hands in the last two minutes of a game down by a score. I think I'm putting Tom Brady number one on that list just based on the fact that at this point in time, even though he's what? He's as old as Moses. He was walking around in sandals with Moses parting the Red Sea. That's how long he's been playing the game. I can't put Josh Allen ahead of Tom Brady. I can't put him ahead of Aaron Rodgers, and I certainly can't put him ahead of Pat Mahomes. He's probably in that four to five range. I don't think I put him ahead of Kyler Murray. So maybe he's five on my list, but I mean, look, I'm I'm putting him ahead of Stafford. I'm sorry, Chris. I know you're a long-suffering Lions fan. I just don't believe in Matthew Stafford. I never have, and he's going to have to prove it to me, and he's got the team to go out and prove it, but I'm not putting... Matt Stafford that high on that list either
1: okay wait, can I jump in real quick just, just, yeah. just a quick thought here uh, okay are we doing like all-time great quarterbacks guys no just right, playoff, now, right now playoffs. Or are we doing just guys who right now as far as quarterbacks right now the best quarterback now look I love Aaron Rodgers the guy's unbelievable but he's 38 years old okay and yes he had, a, he had an MVP season last year okay uh yeah you, uh you we're putting Tom, Tom Brady I mean look Tom Brady. Uh, uh, greatest quarterback that's ever lived. And it's not even a, not even a debate, but we're putting, you know, again, are we doing this as a career? Oh, wow. Chris, you know, all- Chris,
3: who would you rather have the ball right now with two minutes left to go in the game with the game on the line, Aaron Rodgers, Pat Mahomes,
1: or this guy? That's a very, we're, a very specific, uh, 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 thing that you're putting out there, Brian. We're not talking. We're talking about, I, 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 we're talking about quarterbacks right now. And far far part of all, being you know, We're not.
0: Now. It, it, yeah, and the thing is, I, and I will jump in this too. It, it yeah. is going to happen. There is going to be a two-minute drive. No one's going to walk through the the Super Bowl. There's going to have to be a game-winning drive. So, who would you rather have of those three? Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, or Tom Brady? The last drive of the game it's going to happen in this year's playoffs for maybe all three of them.
2: Well, Brady's my guy. I mean, there's no doubt Tom Brady's the guy I want with the ball in my hands in the last 2 minutes. I don't care about I don't care what the other guys do. There's a reason there's a reason why Bruce Arians is politicking for Tom Brady to be the MVP. You look at what he did this year. The guy absolutely deserves to be in the discussion for the MVP of the league. I don't know if he's going to win it. I think it's going to be the guy in Green Bay. So those are two quarterbacks right there who I'm taking over Josh Allen. Yeah, and and by and the way, way, I would, I would also, also take, take Pat
3: Mahomes in a two-minute uh, right now. I really would. Uh not all, Nothing against Allen. Listen, he's a great quarterback. I, just These guys are proven. And, yeah, I'm talking about right now. And, and in the playoffs, you know, Wiz is absolutely right. All these guys are probably going to see a two-minute drill uh, most likely. And, and, and of all those people right now, I'm not going to go with Josh Allen. I'll go with those other guys.
0: Yeah, that's a fun conversation. We'll try to go through the rest of the games quickly. We won't be able to analyze them just quite as deeply. But, uh, you know, there are three games today. Probably not too much to talk about here in Tampa Bay. I mean, the Eagles, you know, they're pretty happy to be in the playoffs. I feel like even way more than the Raiders are to be in the playoffs. Like, they're just like, I don't know how they got there, but they're here. Any way, like, the Eagles could make an upset here?
1: I don't think so, guys. I think that, uh, yes, Jalen Hurts has been uh, pretty impressive considering what's going on in Philadelphia. And uh, he's, and it looks to me like he's at least going to get another year as a quarterback there with the Philadelphia Eagles, but they just don't have the weapons, even with the injuries to the likes of Leonard Fournette and a couple other pieces. Tampa Bay is just still a superior team and they should be able to handle themselves and move on to the next round.
0: Magnum. Yeah. yeah I, I
2: I mean, look, I, I don't see the Eagles having that capability to go in to Tampa and win the game. I'm sure there will be a lot of Philadelphia Eagle fans down at, at, at the stadium with the big pirate ship. But uh look, Jalen Hurts, he's a guy who who I think has done a pretty good job as well. Um, but the the reality is the Eagles just aren't that good. You know, the middle of the NFC was not that good. The fact that you had teams like the 49ers and the Eagles make the playoffs, I think that kind of speaks to how 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 much of a of a uh Cavernous drop there is from the elite teams of the NFC to the middle of the pack. Um, I, I I like what Jalen Hurts has done. I think he's a guy who who probably not a lot of people would have expected ever to be the the, the quarterback of the Eagles in a playoff game just so soon after they won a Super Bowl. But uh, look, this is where they are. I, I I I grew up pretty close to Philadelphia, so obviously I I, I have a little bit of a soft spot for the Eagles, especially when they used to beat the crap out of the Giants when I was a kid because as a Jet fan, there's nothing you like seeing more than the Giants getting a beating on a day where where, where you won the game. But, um, look, the Eagles don't have a chance in this game. And I, and to be honest, I hope I, I, I hope I have to eat the big plate of crow because I would love nothing more than to see the Dirty Birds from Philly go down to Tampa and knock Tom Brady out of the playoffs. For all the great things I've said about Tom Brady, at the end of the day, I want to see him lose. I'm sorry. I will always think of him as the quarterback who ruined the last 20 years of my life as a football fan, so I'm never going to root for him, despite the fact that I, I can separate the fact of my my fandom as opposed to reality, and look, I'd like to see the Eagles do it. Do they have a chance? No. No chance at all.
3: I, I disagree a little bit with you, Mags. Uh, I'm not saying Philadelphia is going to win this game, but I do think they have a chance. If Philadelphia can take a page uh, from playbook of what in the past uh, they some teams have done to Tom Brady this year, a few teams, the Saints, for example, and if they can frustrate him, I think Philadelphia is going to surprise some people. I expect this game to be very low scoring. I think it's going to be a one possession game. Listen, Tampa Bay is favored by a touchdown at home. Not like they're favored by 12-and-a-half like the Pittsburgh-Kansas City game. I think this game's going to be close. I think it's going to be closer than you think. And, again, if they can get to Tom Brady and frustrate him like the Saints have done, uh, like they did this year, then I, I think it could be a very interesting game closer than you think.
0: Ah, that's that's really interesting. Uh, you know, I, I actually tend to agree with you a little bit. I, I think it's playoff football. and I think the fact that no one's expecting anything from the Eagles may motivate them enough, you know, to make the game a little more competitive. We'll switch over to my favorite game of the weekend. That is, well, other than the Raiders, but that game's over now. The Cowboys and 49ers. Everyone's pretty, as far as I've heard, has marked the 49ers as the winners of this game. Now, the Cowboys are three point favorites. But anytime you ask an analyst, you know, who's going to win this, it feels like a 49ers upset. Uh, You know, the Cowboys haven't been playing great football. They had a couple of gimmies against horrible division rivals. I mean, bottom-tier teams in the league that made them feel better. But when they played some good teams, they didn't look great. And that starts with Dak Prescott. The guy's just been really average. You know, maybe some injury problems there. But do the Cowboys hold on here, or do the 49ers continue kind of their hot streak? They got in to the playoffs pretty hot, obviously, against the Rams in that uh, Week 18 matchup.
1: So, Wiz, Mags,
0: and Schaap. How great was the season to start when you saw the matchup
1: with that Cowboys-Tampa Bay Buccaneer game, where you know we got an opportunity to see what uh, Dallas Cowboys can do, uh, particularly from an offensive standpoint. This has been a pretty balanced team all season long. They've had, uh, you know, we've had an opportunity to kind of see uh, some of these offensive guys emerge. Obviously, uh, you know, CeeDee Lamb has turned into one of a big-time receiver and a guy that's going to be uh, heavily weighed upon. Today. But you guys all have been listening and, and seeing what people in Vegas, handicappers, talking heads, everybody. Everybody is on the 49ers in this game. Everybody's saying the Niners are winning this football game against Dallas. And I gotta tell you, it gives me reason to have pause. Uh I mean it's it's I mean the Cowboys absolutely uh I think are gonna come out in this game. I think that Dak Prescott's gonna have a big time game. I think defensively with the likes of Micah Parsons and what they've been able to do on that side of the ball. Dallas, I think uh, it, it handles their business. And uh, yes, this is a 49ers team that has played on the stretch, make no mistake about it. But uh, I look at this matchup and uh, obviously we're all having flashbacks to the early 90s between these two teams and uh, big time playoff games. And I think it's going to be another classic, but I think the Cowboys are the team that comes out on top.
3: Yeah, I tend to uh, agree with you, Chris. I think this is going to be the game of the day as far as I think it comes down to whoever has the football last. I really do. You have two quarterbacks that have had a lot of ups and downs the last few years in their careers with injuries, and Garoppolo's had, gosh, just a crazy season. I think that this is a really important game for both teams, right? Dallas, you got to get out of that uh, first round of the playoffs. And for San Francisco, they squeak in. And now you have a great opportunity. I think these are two evenly matched teams. And I think uh, Dallas obviously with the advantage because they're at home. It's only, uh, you know, three, three and a half uh, point spread game, depending on where you shop. Uh, Chris, I'm going to go with you on this one. Uh, I do think Dallas wins at home. I just think Garoppolo's had too many ups and downs. Uh, I think Prescott has something to prove. Not that San Francisco doesn't. But uh, I really believe that the home field advantage is going to be huge in this game. And I like Dallas in this one winning this football game in a close one. I can see a field goal as time expires.
2: I think this is probably one of the tougher games of, of the weekend to call. Uh, but I tend to lean with you guys. Look, when everybody seems to be on a team, it generally blows up. You're usually that team that every – oh, these guys are there, – there's no way. There's no way. is This is, is going to be the upset. You know, it's funny. I I did not think that the 49ers were going to be a playoff team. Um, I think Jimmy G has faced a lot of adversity. And and look, there there were times where it looked like he was done as the quarterback of this team. I think for Jimmy G, he's playing for a little bit more than a 49ers playoff one. I think he's playing for a little bit of pride. and I think he's he's trying to show people, look, I am a quarterback who can lead a team back to the Super Bowl. The problem is they're running into a team that's just better than them today. And I think that's the that's that's where I like Dallas. They're just better than the 49ers. They're better at the quarterback position. Obviously, Micah Parsons is a guy who who is a major, major factor on the defensive side of the ball for the Cowboys. I think Zeke Elliott is a guy who who, you know, for, for Dallas, you know, he he's a guy who can carry the load. But I like Dallas's wide receivers too. I mean, look, they they're as long as Dak Prescott does not implode, which is certainly possible. The Cowboys should win this game because they're they're just better. They're better in every position. So the only question I have is, are they better at the coaching position? Because I think Mike McCarthy is a buffoon. And I think that's why I, I'm a little cautious on if I was going to bet it because Mike McCarthy is a buffoon. I don't think he's a good coach. I think he's a guy who, whose career was made by his quarterback when he was in Green Bay. I just don't trust Mike McCarthy. I'll stay away from this one, but if I have to pick a winner, I think Dallas will win just because they're better in, in so many different areas of, of, of the of the game.
0: Yeah, this one's definitely a toss-up. Unfortunately, we don't have time to talk about the two other games, but I do briefly want to get to I We don't even have to play the intro, but it's time to expose somebody for who they are. i Think of the conversation around this guy. I haven't had a chance to talk about this recently, but Robin Leonard, this guy stinks, man. This guy <laughs> is not going to lead this team to a Stanley Cup This is the best roster in hockey, bar none. It's not even close, in my opinion. And this guy cannot stop the puck from going in the net. How do you guys feel about this in the last couple minutes? I hate Leonard.
1: I'll just say something quick, Wiz. Uh, Our buddy Shaq, who's on here with us, right? He had a social media post. I think that uh, he kind of sums it up for a lot of people regarding Robin Leonard and the decision between those him him and uh, Marc-Andre Fleury. Look, I don't want to lay it all on Robin Leonard, but uh, uh, look, the the rubber's going to beat the road come playoff time. That's the bottom line. If Robin Leonard plays big when it matters most come playoff time, then he's going to be able to uh, kind of offset any of the setbacks that he's had here in the regular season. I'll,
3: I'll, I'm going to I'm going to go out on a limb maybe and say not only are you not winning the Western Conference, you're not winning the Stanley Cup, you're not even making the Western Conference Finals when you have Robin, Robin Leonard in net. That's, that's my first ah, opinion. All, all right, right.
2: I, I've got 25 seconds to tell you why that I disagree. I just don't have the time to tell you guys why all three of you are wrong. But maybe next week we've only got 15 seconds, so I don't have the time to really go into it.
0: My name is Coach of the Wiz. That was Chris Wynn joining the show, host of The Vegas Take, Brian Shapiro, and in the studio, Chris Manuel Chadwin. Thank you guys so much for joining. We'll see you next time. Same time, same place next week. Bye-bye.